I want to jump into some things that the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the real significant early leaders in the body of Christ, a man named Timothy. He pastored a church, the first mega church really. Thousands of people went to his church in Ephesus. He was a great leader used by God in dramatic ways and a real son in the Lord to the Apostle Paul. Not biologically, but in the Lord. He really looked to the Apostle Paul and Paul was a voice in his life. And Paul said some things to him in the final letter that we have of Paul's writings. This is the very last one historically that we have that was uh, written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote it to his son in the Lord, Timothy. And he reminded it, uh, him of some things that I feel compelled of the Lord that God's really focusing our attention on these days. And I want to start with a statement that Paul made from 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. He said, he said Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The gift of God that was in Timothy is the same gift of God that is in you. Now look, we understand that Timothy had an assignment that was different from any of ours. But he's not really talking about that. This word gift is the word charisma. It's the same word used in Corinthians that Paul uses to describe the deposits and gifts of the Spirit that God has placed on the inside and made accessible to every believer. Gifts of the Spirit of God, deposits. And that word charisma, of course you can hear it right at the start, is the word charis at the beginning, which is the word for grace. These are grace gifts, gifts we don't earn or deserve really to have, but these are gifts that God gives to us freely. And yet here's what it does, man. It lifts us into the capacity to do things and walk with God in ways that are beyond reason, man. It's not just like going to church. It's like walking in the supernatural. And God's given every believer that deposit, just like he did Timothy, to have those gifts of God, that evidence of the Spirit of God that will empower you and lead you and guide you inspire you and instruct you all on the inside. Paul said, I want to remind you of something. you got to stir that up. Having these things on the inside is a fact of Scripture. But what also has to happen, and this is what Timothy had to hear. He had been under some pressure. He had not had a, an easy ride. He was in persecution times himself. Serious stuff. He had to be reminded because the pressures of the day that came at him, we have pressures of our day coming at us. And it really is the spirit of persecution that comes to, to whittle down or depress your fire and your zeal to really walk with God and to see God move. It, it really comes to really talk you out of things that you can talk yourself back into. Persecution, while it comes in a variety of ways, a lot of times it comes through shaming, through accusation. We understand in, in Bible days it was very severe and in parts of the world even today. It, it'll cost a person their life, persecution does. But 
That's not the only kind of persecution there is. We're in times right now where there is an assault against you and me as believers. Now, that's nothing new, but man, it's taken, it's taken a lot of, uh, of uh, press lately in more ways to really undermine the body of Christ and the voice that people of, of faith have. Well, we're not going to stand for it. We're pushing back. We're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be restricted out of our faith. We're going to walk by faith in the faith and confidence that God has given us to walk in. And we're going to do it without apology and without fear. Here's what Paul goes on to tell Timothy, the very next verse, verse 7. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's not just for Timothy, man. That's for all of us. God hadn't given us fear to walk in. We're not to walk in fear of the day or fear of the government or fear of the devil or fear of whatever strategies could come against us. No, fear is the enemy. And it can be, if you don't deal with it, it can be the very undermining tool that is used to paralyze your faith and really talk you out of standing up in the kingdom of God the way God wants. There's people that really have caved in to fear over the last months in a bigger way than ever. And you understand why. Man, we've been getting pounded with information, statistics, numbers of deaths over a virus, and over COVID, and over whatever else is going on. All kinds of reasons to be in fear. The sad truth, though, is that too many believers who have every reason to not be in fear have allowed themselves to cave in to the fears of the day. The spirit of the world, really, the voice of despair and darkness, the voice of trouble and hardship that just permeates their head. You know, if you spend more time listening to statistics and media reports of the troubles of the day and you find yourself depressed and dark, your depression is self-inflicted. The devil doesn't really have to add to it all that much. You just do it on your own. But when we go back to what we know is true, when we go back to putting the Word of God first place, Reminding ourselves of who God is, who Jesus really is in us, what He's come to do not only for us but through us. We keep that alive and, as He describes it here, stirred up or the flame fanned into a much hotter place. You keep this thing stirred and fanned like a flame of fire in you. And man, there isn't anything the devil has to counteract it. You see, people like that, people like you terrify the kingdom of darkness. There's really nothing Satan can do to silence your voice. Is that true for you? Well, if it's not, you can make a shift right now so that that becomes your M.O., man. You are, you are stirred up in a mode of operation that is not going to cave in to the fears of the day. I'm just here to remind you of some things. 
I'm here to stir something up in you. Every one of us need it. But not everyone will grab it. Now you're the late service, open-ended service kind of people. So I believe you're here to grab it. Is that true? Shout a praise to God. Come on. Man, we are the Jesus people of this day. We're not hiding in a closet, man. We're not putting our faith on the back burner or where nobody can see it. We're out front, on the street type people. I had God remind me of something and point something out to me. He said, you know, all of this church business started in the streets in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. And he went on to say what started in the streets is going to end up in the streets. That's where things are headed right now. And, and in a large way, they're there now. So we're not just letting it be confined to the church experience, man. We are the church. We take it outside of the building. The church has left the building. Thank you, Jesus. You see, when Vicki and I got saved, it was in the early 70s, 1971, really. We, we had both been stoners, and I was long hair, kind of crazy. You know, I'm not proud of it all, but it's just, you know, everybody came out of sin, and I had my variety. Some are more aggressive about their sin than others, and maybe even creative slightly about it. But I traveled the universe on a regular basis, and And when I got saved, man, I got saved, man, that, there, I got saved, man. I mean, that kind of says it all, I guess, right there. Man. Well, what we found out immediately is that our faith was not really designed to be contained in a church experience. Now, look, I, I am a church guy. We plugged into a church as soon as we found one. Although you do find that not all churches are created equal. Just because it's called a church doesn't mean it is one. Now, I'm not going to go down the road a long way on that, but, uh, you know, I think you've got to be born again to be part of the church. No, I know that. And not every church building contains people that really emphasize being born again at all. Anyway, that's another message. But what we found is that our faith was not only going to happen on a weekend experience or on a service kind of environment. Uh, we were saved, on fire, hot for Jesus, 24-7, every day. We wanted to worship God, be in the presence of the Lord, meditate on His Word, find out something from the Word of God, be, be alive with that fire of God. We wanted it every day. We didn't wait for the weekends to get stoned. I didn't. This was a, like all-week experience. Getting worse. And once I made Jesus the Lord of my life, man, plugged into the kingdom of God and the things of the Lord, started to find out that faith in God and faith in His Word was how you live and how you really walk with God. And not just chasing, hoping you're going the right way, but actually participating. Man, once we found that out, man, it was like we are all in, all the time. There is no compromise to it. There's no room for anything else. And while we certainly had jobs and we had ex other issues of responsibility, it was all about Jesus, all the time. All the time. We were, we were truly Jesus' people. 
And they'd call us Jesus freaks. I thought it was because of the freaky, goofy way we, a lot of us dressed. You know, that kind of hippie, stoner stuff. But then you come to find out the Jesus freaks were, were in the church house, some of them. They were in the courthouse. They were even in the White House. Of course, it wasn't our friend Richard Nixon at that point. But, uh, you know, we trust he made it. But, uh, but there were others. My point in bringing it up is that we are in a season right now, brand new season in some ways, and yet there's nothing new about it, man. It is the season of the Spirit of God in the church rising up, the local church, but not staying in a building kind of local church, an outreach, a reach the community, reach people, taking it to the streets as well, as well as what we do here. It's added to it. That's what I love about the vision of this ministry. You see these videos, man, this is like, this ought to just light your fire. All right. But Paul gives a, a warning to Timothy, and it's a warning to us also. Later on in this same book, well, no, I didn't finish up with verse 7. Let me read verse 7 also. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Say power. Of love and a sound mind. That's that dunamis power. Dynamo is the word used here, dunamis. That's where we get dynamic or dynamite kind of power. Explosive power from God. We have been given, you've been given. On the inside of you there is residing explosive power. Now you may not feel like a powerhouse, but this isn't determined by how you feel. This is who you are, full of the power of God. He's given us power, love, that agape love. Agape is the word used there in the original text. The God kind of love, unconditional love. Not a natural love, not a friendship love, not a family love alone, but an unconditional God kind of love. He said he's given us that. That's on the inside of you also. You have the capacity, regardless of the kind of trash you've had happen in your life, you've got the capacity in Jesus to love like that. This unconditional God kind of love that you receive is also the love that you can live in and that you've been called to express also. But he also said to give you a sound mind. There's a mindset that goes along with the kind of victorious successful believer type person that excels in our days now, there is a mindset that God has to help you ignite or fan the flame to reignite so that you are keeping your head in the right place. The soul of a person made up of the mind, will, intellect, emotions, the soulish part of our life is not instantly regenerated at the new birth. When you get born of the Spirit of God, man, you become a brand new person in Christ. That's what happened to all of us. That's why you've got a different kind of joy. you got something that happened that you know you've been made clean, and heaven is your home. But there's something, sometimes, many times, most of the time, people find, and this is what I found, that the way you think doesn't change automatically. Not about a lot of stuff. Certainly it does about God. You change your opinion of God Right away, man, suddenly you realize he's not mad at you like you thought he was. He's not ticked off at you like you 
thought he was. No, he is in love with you, man. That comes alive when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. But there's so many things where we've thought wrong about such a variety of issues that God wants to change and demands that there is a new mindset on the inside of us. A renewed mind, Paul said in Ephesians. There's a transformation that comes, he said in Romans, and it comes through the renewing of your mind. Not all transformation comes in the instant you're born again. A great deal of transformation is left to happen by the renewing of your mind and by this sound mind and thinking that Paul's referring to right here. Now remember again, he's saying this to a very seasoned man of God. He's not saying this just to a young Christian. He's saying, I've got to remind you to stir up what's on the inside of you and not let the fear of the day dominate things in your head, but remind yourself and reignite the faith, the love, the power, and the clarity in your soul that'll cooperate with the deposit of God that's on the inside of you. See, that's absolutely vital. Every Christian has those deposits I was talking about, but without your head, your soul, your mindset, being in a receptive and cooperative and harmonious manner, we've got people all the time living in contradiction with themselves. They have that love, for example, on the inside, but they spew things out that is not coming out of their inner man. It's coming out of old thinking. It's coming out of old hurts and damage and trouble and baggage they've been carrying. And God wants this thing dealt with and real renewal to come to the spirit of your mind. That's what he said, Ephesians 4.23. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Or like Romans 12.2 I mentioned, transformed by the renewing. Transformation, the metamorphosis that comes to believers it doesn't come because the Holy Spirit has made it happen. It comes because you have made choices to take on a brand new mindset. See, this is what repentance really puts you in a position to do. Repentance is not about remorse. It's not. Repentance is not about stirring up regret. And while a lot of people have remorse and regret over the things they need to repent from, repentance is about a brand new mindset. It's taking on a whole new core value kind of thinking that thinks in harmony with what God has said. You see, Jesus started His ministry. Matthew chapter 4, I think it's along about verse 17. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Boy, there's a word that just gives people shivers. Repent. They get all freaked out about it. Oh, here comes the hammer. Bam! They're going to hammer me over what I've been doing wrong. That's not what repentance is really all about. One translation says it this way. I love this, of that same passage. Change your attitude and your actions because an invasion of the Spirit is imminent. Ooh, that's, that's a big one. And while that was imminent in Jesus' day, I'm here to tell you that invasion is on and it is on in this day. An invasion of the Holy Spirit. 
And it's not an invasion where he comes to this whole planet. I mean, there is going to be that time. We get that. But it is the invasion of how God will operate through his family, you and me, right here, right now. You see, your inner life with Jesus is the connection between heaven and earth. God's not bringing other things to the earth without bringing it through you and me as believers. This is why we are commissioned and commanded to harmonize with Him so that He does what He wants to do. Because He's doing it through you and me. Now, I I get it. Not everybody is going to harmonize all that well with the plans of God. Some people fight it and resist it even though they love Jesus. That's weird. That's contradiction. Happens all the time. But there are some people. And I believe people like you, the late service people. (laughs) Open-ended type. You have something on the inside of you that won't stand for anything less than all in. And being used by God. Said out loud, I'm all in. Oh, it feels good to be all in. Thank you, Jesus. But Paul went on to talk to Timothy about the times that he was in and the times that we're in also. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says this. He said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times. You feel it, don't you? You hear it. Now, it's not new, man. This was said to Timothy hundreds of years ago. Perilous times are not new, but man, the information age has helped us take the fear of it to a new level if you're given to listening to it all. Perilous times. And we face things in this generation. We know it. They didn't face in those days. And then we get instant information about all these kinds of trashy things going on all over the world. And we get it within moments of when that happens. With the inception of 24-hour news, many years ago now, gave you the ability at any instant to just fill your head with terrifying ideas. You don't need to be addicted to horror movies. All you have to do is be addicted to the news. It is an addiction, you know. I can say that with authority. I've been a newsy type guy, man. I want to plug into the news. And it's weird. You'll watch it for 30 minutes, and then they start a lot of that all over. And then you'll watch it again. And maybe a third time even, man. You're there for an hour and a half. You get all this same information three times, so it's, it is embedded on the inside of your soul so that you can be as full of fear as possible. It's not about good news. Good news doesn't sell newspapers. Does anybody get, anybody get a newspaper in here? Anybody actually get a newspaper anymore? Well, there's a handful. And I mean, it's a small hand. No, I don't get a newspaper either. Well, there's plenty of news to be had. Anyway, he said perilous times would come. Let me give you some definition or addition to this word perilous. In the last days, these last days will bring about hurtful, harsh, cruel, ruthless, and cutting things. Wounding situations that will emotionally be hard to bear. As a result of demonic activity, the world will become a place that is vicious, 
ferocious, fierce, unruly, uncontrollable, unpredictable, and dangerous. You know, any one of those words could sound like you just watched the news over the summer and more recently, and all of that seems to be wrapped up in it. So whatever days these are, we know they qualify as last days and perilous times. So there's a lot of reason to pay attention to what Paul's telling Timothy here. This is how you handle these perilous times. And it's the same now as it was then. We have to even be more diligent, I think, with the amount of issues that we have to absorb or could absorb on a regular basis. So Paul gives Timothy a solution, and it's a solution that while he was a preacher and a minister, it, it really focused on him preaching, but it is something that is a solution for us also. Watch this, dropping down to chapter 4, still 2 Timothy, verse 2, he tells Timothy to preach or proclaim the Word. Now while he was preaching and leading people, you don't have to be a preacher that's leading a congregation to proclaim what God said and do exactly what he says here. Because he goes on and he says this. He said, be ready in season and out of season. That's when things are good. That's in season. Or things are out of season. That's when things are bad. So whether it's a good season or a bad season. I know there's four seasons, but that seems to cover all seasons. It's either a good one or a bad one. Now you see, some of you guys here in this area feel like the weather right now is a good season for you. There's people, they love this kind of season. It is crazy cold, and I know you guys think, you know, you, it gets colder, Dennis. We know it gets colder here. Of course it does. I grew up in Southern California. This is crazy. I live in Texas. This is crazy. And it ain't nothing. I've been here for record cold days in January, so I get it. You guys are nuts. But some of you love it. How many of you just love this season? This is it for you, man. Yeah, well, that wasn't as many as I thought. But, uh, but there's a few. But whether it's in season or out of season, in what's going on in life or in your life, it's always the season to be ready. That's what he tells us. Be ready in season and out. Good season, bad season. Things are good, things are bad. See, the devil, he only attacks us two times in two, in two states or two ways in our life, when we're in two different conditions. One is when we're doing everything right. You're doing it right, you come under attack. The only other time that he attacks you is when you're doing things wrong. <laughs> if you're not doing it right or not doing it wrong, which is like never, then he wouldn't attack you. No, he's after you all the time. Whether you're standing on the word or whether you've caved in in unbelief and fear, Satan's right there in his whole kingdom of darkness to pounce on you at any opportunity that he has. This is why Paul tells this man and tells you and me, you got to be ready. Say it out loud, I'm ready. Now, if you're not ready, just go ahead and say it again and just get ready right now. Say it out loud. I'm ready. 
Okay, you weren't a moment ago, but you are now. Say it again. I'm ready. I'm ready. These are the days you've got to be ready. And you've got to stay ready. That's why he's told Timothy, tells us to stir up what's on the inside of you. You've got to get your head into it. Because the right stuff is in you. But if you're not given place in the way you think and in the way you handle things, the way you obey, in how you follow, in how you receive, if you're not really... If you're not really ready for it, these are the days that will eat people up. There's a lot of casualties in the kingdom, even now. People that have fallen by the wayside, they've lost their strength, they've lost their faith. They've lost that confidence. They've been troubled by current events and things that are happening. Listen, man, in spite of current events, in spite of things that go on, the body of Christ is designed to flourish no matter what's going on. Amen. If the body of Christ could be born and established in days of Roman persecution and persecution that was spreading wide and it was persecution that was executing people of faith. If the kingdom of God could flourish in those days, you know the kingdom of God can flourish now that we've been taught and walked in these things all these centuries. Glory to God. But it's not automatic. Jesus said that in these days, the love of many would grow cold. He said in these days, there would be people who would fall away. Now, I'm not saying that of you, but I don't know you. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how well you're standing, how focused you've remained, how how much you have demanded of yourself to stand in the Word, to keep your head in the right place, to not contradict what God has done on the inside of you, to not shut Him down when He's wanting to do great things in your life. It takes cooperation. It takes obedience. It takes faith. But you've got what it takes if you'll ignite it and reignite it and fan the flame for it. That's why we're meeting today, and that's why anytime we meet, we have the option, opportunity to fan the flame, to let it rise up, not be discouraged by the days, but understand that God's given us what it takes for these days. But it takes encouraging. Now, in a setting like this, man, you get encouraged, you can get encouraged in these messages and in times like this, being around believers of like precious faith. But you're not in church every day. But you can encourage yourself every day with what you say, how you say it. If you can talk yourself into being depressed, you can talk yourself into being victorious. And that's really what God's given us as the tools, man. We literally have power released in our words. And by releasing the power of God through our words, cooperating with His word, our source of power... We literally talk ourselves into victory. We talk ourselves into healing, not just mentally, it's, it's in a mental game. It is a release of Holy Spirit power. God created the universe with His words. Jesus is the Word made flesh. That's what the Bible says. There's so much power in words, it is beyond reason, and you have that capacity to speak words that release this phenomenal power, dunamis, explosive power. 
It's amazing that people don't say more of what God says knowing these kind of things are true. I want to close, and I'm going to take a few minutes to do it, but this is the open-ended service crowd, so you're good with this, right? Oh, that was good, man. The enthusiasm's growing. That's, that's great. One of my favorite guys in the Bible, and you get a lot of them after a while, lots of favorites, but one of my favorites is Gideon. The way God found him, the way God spoke to him, the way he waffled at what God said, <laughs> and he did. It's almost embarrassing. I'm glad it was him that we read about. Wouldn't it be sad if all that you have waffled over is also written out for all of us to read? Wouldn't that be... <laughs> Let's get past that thought. But here's Gideon. The point of history where he comes. Let me just give you a setting, just briefly, real brief. This is nearly 200 years after the great conquests of Joshua. You remember Joshua, Moses' assistant, came out of Egypt himself, went through the entire wilderness time as the assistant to Moses, saw all of the supernatural, amazing things that God did in the wilderness, how he led them out there to worship, how he gave them a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night to follow and learn how to follow God's leadership. Oh, this is amazing core value stuff that they got in the wilderness. How God provided for them every day of their life, supernaturally. Every day they had experiences in God. Supernatural food and water and all the things it took to sustain them. I mean, it's amazing. And Joshua was there a part of all of this. But the day came when Joshua stepped up into leadership of Israel. Moses died. And now they're going to cross the river out of the wilderness and into a brand new season, a huge transition. No more of the same kind of provision the same way, but they didn't need it the same. Now they understood these core truths that they had discovered in the wilderness. Those that came out whining out of Egypt, they all died out in the wilderness, but the children born in that wilderness now were of age to be a mighty army of God. There's, a, there's so many parallels for us in all of this. It's just phenomenal. We could be here for days. But we are that army that today is taking ground like they did in the promised land. 31 kings and kingdoms all were conquered in those conquests of Joshua. But by Gideon's time, 200 years has passed, Israel has, has not handled this well. They've literally let go of all of the things that had been conquered by Joshua in Israel all those years before. They had lost ground. And by Gideon's day, Israel was terrified of the ites, the various ites. Amorites, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, even Hittites. In Gideon's time, it was a lot of Midianites as well as Parasites. And mediaites. That may be more current. But there's always been a lot of ites. But in Gideon's day, it was the Midianites primarily. They were, they were trampling down the harvests that Israel would try to grow when they would come out of their caves where they were hiding. They were terrified people now. They had lost all ground of everything God had had given Israel through that conquest in Joshua, and now they were hiding in caves in fear. 
angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Gideon, when Gideon, in fear, is trying to just get a little bit of grain beat out so he can feed his family, he's hiding from the Midianites. When an angel of the Lord says this to him, Judges 6.12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. There is nothing about Gideon that looks mighty. There's nothing about Gideon at this stage that feels mighty. And there's nothing that really Gideon could land on where he could identify that God was actually with him. All this information comes in this little statement. Uh, information about God that Gideon had not really embraced and information about himself that he disagreed with. He literally went on to argue with this angel. That's amazing. It sounds like people today. He said, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Doesn't that sound like the whining of some people today? Now, certainly nobody that's in this service, but there was some here earlier. You could tell they'd been whining. Why then has all this happened to us, and where are the miracles that our fathers have told us about? Where's the supernatural? One day, my wife Vicki and I were talking about this, and she just pointed out, do you realize who he just said that to? Where are the, where's the supernatural? Where's the miracles? He's looking eye to eye with an angel of the Lord. This is as supernatural as it gets. Where's the supernatural? I can't see it. You're looking at it. You're listening to it. He couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it. It made no sense to him. He pushed back and argued. God wanted him to see something different. But here's what the angel of the Lord goes on to say. Angel of the Lord goes on to say to him, Go in this might of yours. It's like God just ignored everything Gideon just said. Sometimes it's really great that God simply ignores you. No, He doesn't ignore your need. He just ignores a lot of your waffling. Okay, I didn't expect an enthusiastic response over that at all. But it's still so. God ignored Gideon completely and just said, Go in this might of your... What might? The might that God had already announced. You are a mighty champion, a warrior, a conqueror. You have what it takes. Why did he have what it takes? Same reason you do, because God announced it. The moment he says it, man, that means it's real, and it's real right now. This is who Gideon was. He just didn't know it yet. He was still buying into the fear and all the trouble that they had seen. He got out of it. So there's two things you get out of this and one other statement that I want to make clear to you. And then I'm going to pray for you about some things. You got to get the right perspective about God that He is not only for you, but He's committed to your success. That He's available, accessible. He's not silent and He's not ignorant of your needs and your situation and He doesn't ignore your situation at all. He may ignore some of the things you say that are goofy. Thank God He does. But He doesn't ignore your situation. He's for you. I know you come to a great church. You've heard that a lot. You believe that around here, but I'm reminding you of something. He has not let go of His covenant 
never will, never would. And as long as you and me remain covenant-minded and locked in, then we don't have to fear that our enemy is going to take ground from us. We're not letting it go. You got to believe that God's a good God and He's good all the time in spite of whatever nonsense may have taken place. Maybe you just don't have the full story on it just yet. But a second thing that this angel of the Lord said to Gideon, he said, you are some things that Gideon hadn't seen in himself ever. But it didn't make it wrong. The angel was right. And he's right about you when he says you also are a champion, a warrior. You have what it takes to conquer your enemy in any situation you might face. Whether it's a disease, the report of a doctor, the financial state that you find yourself in, whatever the pressure is, you have what it takes to rise up in the kingdom, push back, and be everything that God says you are. And I'm reminding you, of you got to stir that up. But there was another point that had to be made. That this angel of the Lord told Gideon he needed to do. God told him he wanted him to go into the enemy's camp. Go in among the tents of the Midianites. That seemed like an odd kind of thing to say. Go in and risk your life to go be next to the Midianites. But he did. And when he did, he slid up to one of the tents and he could hear a conversation that was going on inside. And here was one Midianite saying to another, I've had a dream. And in my dream, a huge barley loaf of bread rolled into the camp and destroyed our entire camp and all of the Midianites. And then he said this. This is so amazing. He said, surely this is Gideon. He knew his name. Here Gideon had just been in the wine press hiding from all the Midianites, but all of a sudden now, for some reason, the Midianites know his name, and they are terrified that he's coming. Gideon's coming. The warrior is coming. The champion is coming. And he'll destroy all of us. You see, your enemy really is terrified of you getting a hold of any of this stuff. And in some cases, our enemy knows even more than we do about our ability to destroy his work in our lives. And that's why he works so diligently to deceive people, to keep them off balance, to keep them focused on the negative, so that they will not stand up in who they are in Christ and really address these weaknesses that they have seen in their life or trying to get on their life by the strategy of the devil. you got to see this stuff. you got to see yourself for who you are and who Christ is in you. And that's not a new message. I get that. But man, right now, this is the assault that is trying to steal this away from us. All of the days that we're in, the political nonsense, the disease nonsense, the restrictions, the obligations, the expectations that are contrary to who God really is in us, trying to bury our faith and wreck our future. And we're not going to have it. We're not going to fall for it. 
We've decided differently. We've decided we are Jesus people. We are word people. We are Holy Spirit people. We are led. We follow. We are provided for. We are worshipers. And we take it even to the streets in Jesus' name. Those are the days that we're in, church. These are great days. Gideon ended up conquering this whole Midianite situation. I'd love to go into it. It's so cool. Not with 30,000 warriors, not with 10,000 warriors, but with 300 people that did some of the most unusual things to come out against their enemy. It's not always by obvious means that we conquer our enemy. Joshua had proved it hundreds of years before, and now Gideon's in that same spirit of faith now, that same spirit of faith that you're in right now, that living word is in, the spirit of faith, to challenge the day, to announce the word, to attack the disease that tries to attack us, to lay hold on the prosperity that God's provided for us, to refuse to quit. That's the people we are in Christ. Can you say amen to that? Amen.